Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 10, Episode 205-205, titled, Satan's Tackle Box, subtitle, 12 Devices of the Devil to Draw the Soul to Sin. This is device number 1 of 12. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11 exhorts us to test our character to see if we are obedient in everything so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan for we are not ignorant of his devices. I know I have been using the word astounding frequently in the past previous podcasts, but these are days where there are astounding, appalling things occurring at every turn, including the local church, things once clearly understood by the average Christian with just a little bit of Bible learning, as the country boy would say, as being wrong and sin now are paraded as our blood-bought freedom and birthright in Jesus Christ. God help us to turn from such hypocrisy that is being promoted by the leaders and the local bodies of believers and return to a mindset that seeks to honor God with a life of purity that holds up to the scrutiny of the world. How can we expect to win souls to Christ if the inspection of our lives by the world leaves them wanting to see any distinct difference between their lives and ours? Rampant open sin and moral failure at every turn among the leaders on down gives the world its salve it desires to leave it in its sin, with a soul destined to spend an eternity separated from the love of God in a real place called hell. The Twelve Devices of the Devil to Draw the Soul to Sin is adapted from the writings of Thomas Brooks, a Puritan author who lived from 1608 to 1680. It's found in his book entitled Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. I've included a link in the show notes to his complete works found on archive.org. And like I've said before on the podcast, archive.org is an amazing website. It is filled with so much knowledge and information and media of all types. It will blow your mind. It's really worth a visit. This publication is in the public domain. It was printed in 1776, edited by the Reverend Alexander Bollock Rosart, Liverpool. Satan's first device to draw the soul to sin is to present the bait and hide the hook, to present the golden cup and hide the poison, to present the sweet, the pleasure, and the profit that may flow in upon the soul by yielding to sin and by hiding from the soul the wrath and misery that will certainly follow the committing of sin. By this device, he took our first parents, Adam and Eve, when in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Satan exclaimed, No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Here is the bait, the sweet, the pleasure, the profit. Oh, but he hides the hook, the shame, the wrath, and the loss that would certainly follow. Here there was an opening of the eyes of the mind to contemplation and joy, and there was an opening of the eyes of the body to shame and confusion. Satan promised them the former, the opening of the eye of the mind to contemplation and joy, but intended the latter, which was an opening of the eyes of the body to shame and confusion. And he so cheated them giving them a piece of fruit in exchange for a paradise. Think about it, giving them a piece of fruit in exchange for the paradise in which they lived. Satan with ease puts fallacies upon us by his golden baits, and then he leads us and leaves us in a fool's paradise. He promises the soul honor, 
pleasure and profit, but pays the soul with the greatest contempt, shame, and loss that can be. By a golden bait, he labored to catch Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, Again, the devil took him, talking about Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he, the devil, said to Christ, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. He showed them the beauty and the bravery of a beguiling world, which doubtless would have taken many a fleshly heart. But the devil's fiery temptation fell upon wet tinder, and therefore did not catch fire. Those tempting objects did not at all win over Christ's affections, nor dazzle his eyes, though many have eternally died of the wound of the eye, and fallen forever by the sensual allurement of profit and pleasure that has wounded their souls and cast them down into an eternal hell. What a sobering warning to us that it can be said that millions have fallen by adversity, but tens of millions by prosperity. Now, the remedies against this device of the devil to bait and switch are these. Number one, first, keep at the greatest distance from sin and from playing with the golden bait that Satan holds out to catch you. Romans 12:9 instructs us to detest evil, cling to what is good. When we meet with anything extremely evil and contrary to us, Nature abhors it and withdraws as far as it can from it. We must hate evil as hell itself, to hate it with horror. It is our wisest and our safest course to stand at the farthest distance from sin. Proverbs 5.8 warns us not to go near the house of the promiscuous person. But as 1 Thessalonians 5.22 reminds us to stay away from every kind of evil. The best course to prevent falling into the pit is to keep at the greatest distance. The person that will be so bold as to attempt to dance upon the rim of the pit may find by sorrowful experience that it is a just thing with God that they should fall into the pit. Jacob's son Joseph, when sold into slavery and abandoned to Egypt as a servant in Potiphar's house, kept at a distance from sin with Potiphar's wife and from playing with Satan's golden baits and attractions. On the other hand, King David drew near and played with the bait of the lustful, sexual enticement to have Bathsheba and fell for it, and swallowed it bait and hook with the prophet Nathan as a divine witness that called him out. David went near the snare and was taken in the snare of grievous adultery. With devastating results, he describes as the breaking of bones, the wounding of his conscience, and a sense of the loss of his God. A friend, keep in mind, as a child of God, he did not suffer the loss of his God but the sensations he felt after his sin with Bathsheba and his murder of her husband was a sense of a loss of his God. He wrote in Psalm 51, this is a prayer for restoration, for the choir director, a Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Sin is a plague, the greatest and most infectious plague in the world, and yet how few there are of us that tremble at it, that keep at a distance from it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 or 6 warns, Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? As soon as one sin had seized upon Adam's heart, all sin entered into his soul and overspread it. We see the global devastating impact of how Adam's one sin spread over all mankind. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sin. We see how easily the father's sin infects the child. The husband's sin infects the wife. The employer's sin infects the worker. The sin that is in one man's heart is of such a spreading and infectious nature it is able to infect a whole world. That seeming sweet that is in sin will quickly vanish and lasting shame, sorrow, horror, and terror will come in the room as Job describes in chapter 22, verses 12 through 14. Though evil tastes sweet in his mouth and he conceals it under his tongue, though he cherishes it and will not let it go but keeps it in his mouth, yet the food in his stomach turns into cobra's venom inside him. Forbidden prophets and pleasures are most appealing to arrogant people who count madness joy. Sin's murdering morsels will deceive those that devour them. Adam's fruit was a bitter sweet. Esau's mess was a bitter sweet. The Israelites' quails a bitter sweet. And Jonathan's honey a bitter sweet. After the meal is ended, then comes the reckoning. We cannot think we can dance and dine with the devil and then to dine with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The third remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that sin will usher in the greatest and the saddest losses that can be upon our souls. It will usher in the loss of God's divine favor that is better than life, and the loss of the joy of God that is unspeakable and full of glory, and the loss of His peace that passes understanding, and the loss of His divine influences by which the soul has been refreshed, quickened, raised, strengthened, and gladdened, and the loss of his outward desirable mercies, which otherwise the soul might have enjoyed. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that sin is of a very deceitful and bewitching nature. My friend, this is the most important remedy of all. We need to really bear down and listen to this remedy and listen to this assessment. It is profound. This is one of the things that drew me to this talk. Sin is from the greatest deceiver, it is a child of his own creation. It is the ground of all the deceit in the world. And it is in its own nature exceedingly deceitful. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Sin will kiss the soul and pretend good to the soul, and yet betray the soul forever. It will with Delilah smile upon us, that it may betray us into the hands of the devil as she did Samson into the hands of the Philistines. Sin gives Satan a power over us and an advantage to accuse us and to lay claim to us as those that wear his badge. It is of a very bewitching nature. It bewitches the soul where it is upon the throne that the soul cannot leave it, though it perish eternally by it. Sin so bewitches the soul that it makes the soul call evil good and good evil, bitter sweet and sweet bitter, light darkness and darkness light, and a soul thus bewitched with sin will stand it out to the death at the sword's point with God. Let God strike and wound and cut to the very bone, yet the bewitched soul cares not, fears not, but will still hold on in a course of wickedness 
as you may see in Pharaoh, Balaam, and Judas. Tell the bewitched soul that sin is a viper that will certainly kill when it is not killed, that sin often kills secretly, insensibly, eternally, yet the bewitched soul cannot nor will not cease from sin. My friend, that is the pivot point of this entire podcast today. Tell the bewitched soul that sin is a viper that will certainly kill when it is not killed, that sin often kills secretly, insensibly, eternally, yet the bewitched soul cannot nor will not cease from sin. My friend, let us learn this today. Let us stand strong today in the truth of God's word and not fall for the enticement and allurements of Satan to sin and by our holy lives win souls to salvation in Jesus Christ. My friend, today is that day to step up to the plate and live a life of holiness and purity so as to win people to Jesus Christ. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.